Simo and Redman are the thong slappers. They're two blokes making lots of noise but getting nowhere fast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Thong Slappers, Australia's first and only dedicated streetcar and masturbation podcast. If you're doing flame jobs, we're doing wrist jobs. <laughs> anyway, um, Simo can't be with us tonight, unfortunately, for our Australia Day special. He's in Dunny Doo doing a special project, which I can't elaborate on now, but I will give you some more details later. He's doing it with, of all people, my dad, Brian Plankman. So them two guys together, fuck, forget about it. But anyway, he's off doing stuff with him. So I've got the rock and roll mechanic. I've got the artist formerly known as the Red Dirt Pirate, the sergeant of bars and arms at the Thong Slappers. I've got the real man in black, the mental health advocate and all-round brother to all us moots, Benny Hewlett. G'day. G'day, Ben. How's it, how's it hanging? I'm good, mate. I don't know that I signed up for everything in the intro, but I'm here anyway. Oh, I've heard that so many times. Now it means nothing. <laughs> That's a standard disclaimer. Just throw that in there for sake of it. Uh, thank you very much for doing this for us, uh, brother. I, I really appreciate it. That's all right, mate. That's all right. There's nothing like getting a phone call an hour before you hit the air, so I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's Simon's. Uh, Bob Cotmel. That's Bob Cotmel's fault. Clearly, it's his fault anyway. Um, so, what, so what we wanted to do for the Thong Slappers is a bit of an Australian Day special because, let's admit it, we're all Australians. Actually, I'm an immigrant, but now these days I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, an Australian. But we wanted to do a poetry special. Did everybody just hang up? Um, crickets. <laughs> now, so we're... Um, the thong slappers. We're actually the real thong slappers, not that wanker that does the Land Cruiser. Have you seen that wanker that thinks he's the thong slappers with the Land Cruiser bullshit? Uh, look, you can only help so many people in your life, and I just think you need to understand your limits of who you can and can't help, and I just don't think we can help him. Oh, man. So, seriously, so Simon and I are like, fuck me, really? Is this guy? So, we send him this email or whatever, and he writes back, oh, my attorneys will be in contact. I send him, honestly, bro, five emails of my cock <laughs> in a row. Like, in, <laughs> bro, I swear. On it. And then uh, anybody who's uh, anything to do with the thong slappers, I, I really want you to send him a fart in a bag. I'm like, bro. The thong slappers is a two five three holder. It's the underdog. It's the smallest thing you can get. It's it's something that we've probably all touched. It's kind of the throwaway of, of V8s, but it's us and it's all the mutts out there and it's all everybody. And a special little thing that happened to us this week, believe it or not, Benny, we got two hundred thousand downloads. We've reached two hundred thousand downloads this week. So Simon and I are like scratching our heads, going, "Oh well, fuck, that's probably pretty cool." Jesus, really? Yeah, bro. Yeah, it's like Simo obviously is the skipper here at the Thong Slappers. He's the he likes Simo. He's so crazy. He mows a lawn in a blackout with a fly mow. But what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now uh, we we we, we reach two hundred thousand downloads. So we're 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 like, oh well, that's that's who we are, man. That's we're the underdogs and fuck a man. Yep, and look, and the other guy, that other tip rat, is um, he's only got 464 people following him, so <laughs> fuck him and fuck his mud flaps. Exactly. Like a land cruise, I'm like, bro, we're the Holden 253. Okay, let's think it. Why don't you become the Thong Slappers Yaris website, for fuck's sake, or the Prius fucking Thong Slappers, or fuck, man. So, yeah, he's seen five times he's seen my ball bag, so I think I'm five times in front. <laughs> Speaking of ball bags, like when he had um, he had a competition where he could win two of his own branded thong slapper mud flaps and a fifty dollar fuel card. Now I don't know how many of your listeners actually might use a V eight Land Cruiser or a VDJ seventy nine for like a work vehicle or maybe a private recreational vehicle, but fifty dollars wouldn't get you fucking four hundred yards in a fucking V eight Cruiser. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's so funny because if we would have a contest here at the Thong Slappers at TDS, it'd be like, if you win, you get to donate 50 bucks to Brett Abraham at the Car 35, uh, the New South Wales Variety Bash. You ain't going to win shit, bitch. What you're going to do is end up putting your hand in your pocket. Yeah, fuck me dead. These guys for real. But yeah, big shout out to Brett Abraham at Car 35, one of our favorite persons in the entire world with the old e-horse. 
We'll give you all the contact details. I'm sure it'll be on Instagram, Facebook, and wherever else. Back of the toilet door at BP on Dunny Do. <laughs> Dunny Do, man. How good is Dunny Do? Um, what we want to do with this thing, because it's Australia Day and stuff, I wanted to just do a bit of a throwback, not to fucking land cruises, but to poetry. So, okay, everybody's hanging up. But poetry right now is... Uh, Back in the day, so we're talking about like the 1800s, poetry is very important. There's lots of bush poetry contests, Banjo Patterson, Henry Kendall, uh, Adam Lindsay Gordon. All these guys were like beautiful, brilliant poets and they really reflect the uh, colour of our nation. Before, you know, we've got uh, Darcy Doyle, we've got um, Namajira, we've got all these guys that are beautiful painters and I love them so much. Let's also be thankful for the poets. So I'm going to do a few poems today and um also i've asked you to do one of your pieces that you wrote me the other day benny and i thought it was fucking beautiful bro oh thank you i i i am actually embarrassed enough right now that i can't put some words together and that never ever 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 fucking happens if anyone knows me um yeah thanks mate but i am totally with you on an ode to aussie especially aussie bush poets people that can capture what it is, what Australiana is, and what 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 this country means to us as a collective and individual. But I don't know if my little chicken scratch about a sunset in the Riverina is appropriate. But I very much appreciate you saying, mate. Uh, you know what? You you've had a thong slapper. You've built yourself a tough two five three, haven't you? Mm, I sure did. Poured about yeah. six and a half grand into one, seven grand into one. Yes, that's right. So you know what it is, bro. Is there nothing? That is sacred. So if a two five three thong slap is not sacred, fuck, we're done. I'm done. We're done. Eh? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, so this poem that I want to do for the mutz and for you, Benny, is uh, the man from Snowy River. The one of the things that strikes me about this poem is that it's a story of the underdog. Yes, and that's really. Uh, I don't think that it gets enough credit i've read some reviews on this poem and they say oh it's it's really nice and it's it's melodic and it has a nice flow it's actually really powerful and the beat behind it is understated if you if you uh so slim dusty done the song and i think that he mellowed it out a bit but if you'd listen to the beat in it it's very strong man and it's it's i think that um when patterson wrote it he might have been going, yeah, yeah, yeah. The spe- particularly the line where the horseman comes to the cliff and he swings his stock whip around and then he just sends it, man. He's just like, yeah. that gives, man, I can listen to that poem 200 times. Every time yeah. that he cracks that and, and sends it off the cliff, I get goosebumps. I think when you read it, it, it almost comes off, if you've ever worked with stock, it almost comes off like it's a bit of a canter. And yeah, right. I think I think people in today, you know, they go, oh, man, for Snow River, oh, yeah, what was his name? Tom Burleson and Sigrid Thornton and bloody Kirk Douglas. Like, it was amazing portrayals in the movie. But you've got to remember, like, back before World War One, like, Banjo Patterson was renowned throughout Australia because that stuff was published and he was, you know, he'd be introduced. This is the Bush Balladeer Andrew Patterson or Banjo Patterson. He was a big deal. It was like... I don't know. I don't know if you'd say Chris Hemsworth, but it was definitely a, a Hugh Jackman sort of um, fame that he had to his name. And and that followed him even when they modified his age so he could go away in the first war as a veterinarian assistant over to Egypt when they were fighting, the boys were fighting the Turks over there. Like he was still introduced as this is Andrew Patterson, the balladeer, the Bush balladeer. Like his, his fame was still pretty high then. And I think we've lost that. I think I think it's just been a book on the shelf. It's just been a movie that's on VHS. I don't think we really take the time to appreciate people that sit in the bush and take in all the senses that are being stimulated and put that into words on paper. And I think there's a magic in that that we're losing a little bit. So I'm glad you picked this one, man, because it's probably my favourite. Out of all bush poetry, this would probably be my favourite. I did not know that about Banjo Patterson. I'm someone who claims to be a bit of a, you know, a lover of poetry. I did not know that that he he uh, falsified his age and got away. But um, um, he- if you like, if you like Roland Perry, the author, 
he does a really mad um, story on a horse called Bill the Bastard that went over with the light horse to Egypt. And, um, yeah, Banjo Patterson um, is very prominent in the first half of that book. Some of it's conversational, so it's made up. It's what Henry, uh, sorry, Roland Perry would have imagined was a conversation. But some of it is um, slightly verbatim. But, yeah, yeah no, he was a very interesting human, eh? I know the book and I know the story quite well. They're both brilliant. Banjo Patterson and Henry Lawson, of course, you know the story of their debate in the uh, Bulletin newspaper? Oh, that was... Uh, I'm fuzzy on that. I haven't read anything so on that. So Lawson uh, went to Wellington. Big shout out to none of our listeners in Wellington. <laughs> so sorry. And if, if they are listening, they're probably doing five to ten. <laughs> You win. Anyway, so he and he just wrote this thing to the Bulletin newspaper about, man, the outback is shit. I can't believe how shit it is. But then Banjo Patterson wrote back and goes, no, it's not, man. You you didn't listen to the shearers singing at Moonlight. You didn't listen to the river flowing. So then Lawson writes back again and has another shot. So they had about six digs at each other. It's called the Bulletin Debate. Uh, beg your pardon. The Bulletin Debate. And it's fucking brilliant. And modern day people are thinking that maybe Patterson and um, Lawson were in contact with each other because you get five pounds for each piece in the bulletin. They're thinking they were in contact and just going, man, let's keep this going. We, we, this is how we're, we're putting food on the table. a dollar. Yeah, so that, that they're thinking that, oh, maybe this is just a bit of a piss take. So, But it's a it's a brilliant thing, and it's an important part of Australian history. Oh, yeah, to, it, was to, a, it was after that debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was after that debate that Henry Lawson packed up his bongos and pissed off and worked in and around Burke for six months. Yeah, he's a painter. He was a house painter. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Because he had a poem called Burke. And if you know Burke, you know Australia. And he talks about it being that hot in the summer that he spent in Burke, New South Wales, that magpies were falling dead out of the trees and the state government was actually running the trains all the way to Burke to pick people up in carriages and take them over the coast because it was so hot. It is hot, man. My my grandfather was a road worker out that way, um, Ron Caddis, actually, and he used to say, mate, it's that hot, it'll boil the piss in a dead dingo. <laughs> what a great line. <laughs> but this is the important part of Australia, aren't Australian history that I wanted to speak about and I wanted to capture because, um, yeah, it's, it's very easy these days to get all lost. But, yeah, this is part of us. Do you mind if I uh, recite this poem, The Man from Snowy River? I'm going to put you on mute so I can dive into my esky and get another lager out and you just do whatever you want to do for the next couple of minutes, mate. I've waited so long to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> right, you yeah, nah, All yours, man. Take Here we go. Away. Take the Man away. from Snowy River by Banjo Patterson. There was movement at the station for the word had passed around. The colt from old regret had got away enjoyed the wild bush horses. He was worth a thousand pound. So all the cracks had gathered to the fray. All the tried and noted riders from the stations near and far had mustered to the homestead overnight. For the bushmen love hard riding where the wild bush horses are, and the stock horse snubs the battle with delight. There was Harrison, who made his pile when Pardon won the cup, the old man with his hair as white as snow. But few could ride beside him when his blood was fairly up. He would go where the horse or man would go, and Clancy of the Overflow came down to lend a hand. Now better horsemen ever held the reins, for neither horse could throw him while the saddle girths would stand, and he learned to ride while driving on the plains. And one was there a stripling on a small and weedy beast. He was something like a racehorse undersized, with a touch of time or pony, three parts thoroughbred at least, and such as by mountain horsemen prized. He was hard and tough and wiry, just the sort that won't say die. There was courage in his quick, impatient tread, and he bore the badge of gameness in his bright and fiery eye and the proud and lofty carriage of his head. But still so slight and weedy, one would doubt his power to stay. And the old man said, that horse'll never do. For a long and tiring gallop, lad, you best stop away. Those hills are far too rough for such as you. So he waited sad and wistful, only Clancy stood his friend. I think we ought to let him come, he said. I'll warrant he'll be with us when he's wanted at the end, for both he and his horse are mountain bred. He hails from Snowy River up by Kosciuszko's side, where the hills are twice as steep and twice as rough. 
where a horse's hoof strikes firelight from the flint with every stride, and the man who holds his own is good enough. And the snowy river riders on the mountain make their home, where the rivers run those giant hills between. I have seen full many horsemen since I first commenced to roam, but nowhere yet a such horsemen have I seen. So he went. They found the horses by a big mimosa clump. They raced away towards the mountain's brow. And the old man gave his orders, boys go at him from the jump. No use for I for fancy riding now. And Clancy, you must wheel him. Try and wheel him to the right. Ride boldly, lad, and never fear the spill. For never yet was a rider that could keep the mob in sight if once they gained the shelter of them hills. So Clancy rode to wheel him. He was racing on the wing, where the best and boldest riders take their place. And he raced his stock horse past them, and he made the rangers ring with his stock whip as he met them face to face. And they halted for a moment where he swung the dreaded lash, but they seen their well-loved mountain full in view. And they charged beneath the stock whip with a sharp and sudden dash, and off into the mountain scrubs they flew. Then fast the horsemen followed where the gorges deep and black resounded to the thunder of their tread. And the stock whips woke the echoes and they fiercely answered back from crifts and crags that beetled under that beetled underhead. And upward, ever upward, the wild horses held their way, where mountain ash and Curradron grew wide. And the old man muttered fiercely, we may, we may bid the mob good day, and that man could hold him down the other side. When they reached the mountain summit, even Clancy took a pull. It well may make the boldest hold their breath. The wild hob scrub grew thickly, and the hidden ground was full of wombat howls, and every slip was death. But the man from Snowy River let the pony have his head, and he swung his stock whip round and gave a cheer, and he raced him down the mountain like a torrent down his bed, while the others stood and watched in very fear. He sent the flintstones flying, but the pony kept his feet. He cleared the fallen timbers in his stride, and the man from Snowy River never shifted in his seat. It was grand to see a mountain horseman ride, through the stringy barks and saplings on the rough and broken ground. Down the hillside at a racing pace he went, and he never drew the bridle till he landed safe and sound at the bottom of that terrible descent. He was right among the horses as they climbed the farther hill, and the watchers on the mountain standing mute saw him ply the stock whip fiercely, and he was right amongst them still as he raced them as he raced across the clearing in pursuit. Then they lost him for a moment where two mountain gullies met, and the rangers but a final glimpse reveals on a dim and distant hillside where the horses racing yet with the man from Snowy River at their heels, and he ran them single-handedly till their sides were white with foam. He followed like a bloodhound on the track, till they halted, cowed and beaten. Then he turned their heads for home, and alone and unassisted brought them back. But his hardy mountain pony could sharply raise a trot. He was blood from hip to shoulder from the spur, but his pluck was still undaunted and his courage fiery hot, for never yet was a mountain horse, for never yet was a mountain horse occur. Down by Kosciuszko, where the pine-clad ridges raise, their torn and rugged battlements on high, where the air is clear as crystal and the white stars are fairly blaze, at midnight in the cold and frosty air, where around the overflow the reed beds sweep and sway to the breezes and the gentle wide plain. The man from Snowy River is a household world today, and the stockmen tell the story of his ride. How fucking good is oh, that? Man. How good is that, man? I love uh, that. That's a two five three hold, and he's like he's on the smallest horseman. All these riders from the station have got these big horses, and he's got like a little time or pony. It's like, fuck me! <laughs> I just you know what was really you know what was really cool. I was lucky enough to go overseas when I was in the army, and one of the places I went to was East Timor. And when we we're over in East Timor, down in you can look this up. You can uh, there's a little uh, village called Maliana. And we went from Maliana back up to Bobanaro, which is up in the high country. And halfway up the high country, I come across a mob of six or seven Timor ponies. Oh, okay, and yeah. That it really took me. Like I'm just like, oh, these are these are actually fucking Timor ponies. This is what Patterson was talking about. That mongrel half-bred bloody horse that he ran in the mob up, you know. And these ponies, man, I don't know if any of you or anyone listening have ever seen. If you see a mob of goats at the bottom of a steep craggly cliff and you give them a fright and goats just fucking lock the hubs in and fucking just go vertical you know <laughs> straight up and that's what these ponies did man they got a bit of a they didn't get a fright but they noticed we were there and they decided to leave and they just turned and they went straight up this cliff and like there was a few of us there and we're just like get fucked and we're on the cliff they're going up and that's i got a really good 
I've really got a really great appreciation for what Patterson was going on about when he was talking about this half team or pony. Because everyone, you read that and you're like, half team or pony. You're like, oh, yeah. But then when you go and see these horses, you're like, fucking dead. So, yeah, man, well done. That was, I love that, man. That's my favourite. It's my favourite Australian bit of bush poetry, man. You did well. Good job, bud. It's a it's, it's a great poem, and it's it's just it's the underdog, like I say. It's the two five three. But yeah, actually, your story on Timor is one of my favourite ones. Uh, I stole it off you and put it on my blog. I give you full credit, but I stole it. that whole story, man. <laughs> a shoelace. So that's the story of you getting a an ADF. Can we say ADF? Is that all right? Yeah, I suppose they're not yeah. going to come and knock down my door now. Being retired for ten yeah. years, I think it'll you're be getting right. an ADF vehicle out of a bog with a fucking shoelace. <laughs> and then I did it again. I did it again. I know I'm blowing my own fucking trumpet, but fuck it, no one's going to tell me off right now. Um, I did it again about four years later, five years later. We'll drive and we did up an FC Holden for the chief of the army to drive around in at the time, which was Peter Lay, and he was a big. He had an FC Holden with 48,000 miles on it. And we got this old staff car, which is in drab green, put the ensign in it, which is the Australian flag that's flown on the Chief of Army's car, which is um, like an ensign is the, the, the national flag, but it's got all the um, the frills hanging off the flag. My terminology today is so fucking horrible. Anyway, it's got all the gold tassels hanging off it. We put that on the car, went around to pick up the Chief, and on the way there, the battery bracket, broke and the battery flew into the fan going around and around about it. it's like, like fuck pulled over <laughs> middle of Canberra at a roundabout FC holding batteries into it and I'm like oh fuck fuck and I just ripped my bootlaces out and I pulled the battery back to the corner and tied it in there got around to the chief's house pull up g'day sir how you going oh Ben you know what do you got here oh you know we did this for you sir we want to take you down to summer nights blah 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 and he goes, this is awesome. He looks around the car and he looks inside. And he goes, oh, pop the bonnet, mate. And I'm like, uh, sorry, sir. And he's like, pop the bonnet. I'm like, uh, no worries. So I pop the bonnet. And he's looking in there and he goes, oh, yeah, that's original. That's not original. That's original. And he's like, um, Ben. I'm like, yes, yeah, sir. And he goes, are they your bootlaces? I'm like, yeah, we had a bit of a breakdown on the way here, sir. But, you know, we got it sorted. We're all there. Ah, oh, you boys, you know. But that was a funny day, actually. That was a really funny day. That uh, ties really well with um – Something that I know your father was a great fan of, John Williamson, and tying it up with wire, bro, just to keep the road on the show. That's that's what this Australia Day podcast is about. That is, your your dad would have loved that. Tell me different. Yeah, no, nah, you're right, hundred percent. You're hundred percent right, mate. Hundred <laughs> percent. Another great uh, ADF story is uh, the gentleman that lived across the road from me. He's now retired and moved to retirement home. Uh, Bev and Don. His name's not Bev, obviously, but Bev and Don. Don was the padre of the Australian Army for a long time and he's telling me, so this is an Australia Day story, he's telling me the story that um, the padre actually adopts a ceremonial rank of the highest ranking officer in the room, you'd know that. So uh, he had to go on a movement and Cosgrove was there, so there was Don and, so Don was the padre and he jumped on a, is it a C-130 there, is that the Australian aeroplane? C-130 Hercules, it would have been, at that time, would have been what they called a Jaybird, which is when they went from the four prop to the six prop. Yeah, that's it. So Of course, and, and when you're talking about Cosgrove, just in case we've got to fill in a few gaps, Cosgrove was Chief of the Army, then Chief of Defence Force, and he's now the Governor General, so. By all, by all... Uh, understanding a really great guy, but um, so Don jumped on this C one thirty with him in Townsville, and they had to head to Weeper for some war games or whatever. What's the political correct name for war games or movement or something? Exercise. 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 That's it. And so as they were going for Georgetown, the plane developed a problem. Not a huge problem, but they had to land or whatever. So they come and see Don and Cosgrove and say, "Look, gentlemen, we've booked you into the local pub here at Georgetown, so there'll be no problem. We've got a." a a taxi waiting for you. So they land the plane and they fly an engineer to fix the plane. Meantime, they send Don and Cosgrove to the to the local pub. So unbeknown to them, there was like forty five uh, jeeps all heading up there to the same the same movement in Weeper. There's all these diggers in jeeps heading up there. So when they pull up out the front of the pub, there's two jeeps out the front. They're like two Australian ADF jeeps. As they walk through the pub, here's five diggers sitting in the pub with a beer each. <laughs> And, he, and and Don reckons to Cosgrove's absolute 
like credit, he walks straight past as if he never even seen him. He reckons the five diggers all turned as white as ghosts and they heard these jeeps <laughs> these jeeps start up in the driveway. Every single one of them took off. But how's that a great story for a bit of Australia, Anna, right there? That's that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Look, um I had I had the privilege of um um, of bumping into Cosgrove a couple of times because he was ex First Battalion and I worked at First Battalion up in Townsville for quite a number of years, six years, I think. And um, I got to meet him there really quickly and I got into meeting down at the Army Trade School and I was teaching down there. And look, awfully charismatic human being, um, definitely had the physique of someone who enjoyed steak and beer. <laughs> but um, like but me. like when, when it, yeah, like all of us, mate. But like he, he was, he was just. It was no bullshit, no carry on, a spade to shovel, and I'm not going to pretend that you dodgy diggers don't get up to shit because no doubt he would have got up to shit when he was a young fella too. But just a realist and just very, very relatable human being. He could speak to the Prime Minister and he could speak to the newest digger in the Australian Army and he was just extraordinarily relatable. And, yeah, no, it was, it was really cool to be in an audience and watch him have – 500 or a thousand people just eating out of the palm of his hand just being his charming self it was yeah it was a privilege to be able to watch that eh? and actually let's not pass up the fact that for the australian defense force you built the world's coolest fair lane <laughs> i'm never going to not tell that story ever <laughs> um for someone who's about as lucky i'll tell you what my luck usually is my luck is if i fell out of the sky into a bucket of nipples i'd come out sucking me thumb fucking hands down guaranteed <laughs> but i tell you what my time in the Australian Army, I did manage to um, 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 come away with some really amazing experiences and, yeah, getting paid to build, uh, you know, big block blown, big block forward, that was um, that was one of them, for sure. So, so that, that, that fair lane, I've told this story on the Thong Slappers podcast before. Well before I knew you, I took my ex-wife, the witch, and myself to the V8 supercars at Townsville, and their green fair lane was there, and the blower was higher than the roof, and I explained to the witch, I went, if a car has a blower higher than the roof, it's fucking cool, and she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I stand by that still. Today, I stand by that fucking decision, eh? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was. It was good fun. It was a heap of fun. That was a heap of fun. So there's a um, a road that goes from Richmond, Windsor, New South Wales. Big g'day to Tammy, one of our listeners. Goes from um, Richmond, Windsor to Lithgow, and it's called the Bells Line of Road. Have you heard of it? Yep, sure have. It is one of the most beautiful drivers. When I was a young man, I had, oh, fuck, HSV. I had a fucking Gemini. I had a fucking HR, whatever. I had all these... <laughs> a flotilla of shit <laughs> and I used to drive along that road I, I was working in Sydney girlfriend in Bathurst the whole thing I used to drive that road a real lot of times and uh, there's a poet called Henry Kendall and he wrote an article about the bellbirds in Bellbird Hill and it's just a most phenomenal piece of poetry and every time I get to Bellbird Hill when I leave Richmond I wind the windows down in my car I stand on the gas, I listen to that V8 burble, because, you know, if you don't have a V8, whatever, but also I listen to the, to, to, <laughs> I listen to the bellbirds. Um, one thing, uh, we had a Volkswagen Beetle when I was a kid. My mum had a Volkswagen Beetle. One thing we do, when we drive along Bellbirds Road, didn't have a radio, whatever, that shit, fucking you only had AM radio, we'd recite, recite poetry. So that's so fucking cool. You've got Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, whatever the fuck all the shit is in the car these days, but does a family really recite poetry while they're driving along probably it's a bit nerdy i know i'm sorry but yeah anyway it is what it is but um this poem we always used to recite when i was a kid and and i love it would you mind if i was be very indulgent and as an australian day thing it's by henry kendall it's called bellbirds can i please just recite it because it's so fucking beautiful and it's about that specific piece of road yeah man all yours brother go for it this is bellbirds by henry kendall by channels of coolness the echoes are calling, and down the dim gorges I hear the creeks falling. It lives in the mountains where the mosses and sedges touch with the beauty of the banks and the ledges. Through breaks of cedar and sycamore bowers struggles the light that is love to the flowers, and softer than slumber and sweeter than singing, the notes of the bellbirds are ringing and singing. The silver-voiced bellbirds, darling of the daytime, they sing in September their song of the maytime, when shadows wax strong and thunderbolts hurtle, they hide in fear in the leaves of the myrtle. When rain and sunbeam shine mingled together, 
they start up like fairies that follow fair weather, and straight away the hues of their feathers unfolding are green and purple and blue and golden. October, the maiden of bright yellow tresses, loiters for love in these cool wildernesses. Loiters knee-deep in grasses to listen, while dripping rocks gleam and leafy pools glisten. Then in the time when the water moon's splendid, break with their gold and scattered or blended over the songs till the woodlands have warning of songs of bellbird and wings in the morning. Welcome as waters unkissed by the summers are voices of bellbirds to the fair, thirsty faircomers. When fiery December sets foot in the forest and the need of the wayfarer presses the sorest, pent in the ridges ever and ever, the bellbirds direct him to spring and to river. With ring and ripple, like rundles whose torrent, are turned by the pebbles and the leaves in the torrent. That's Bellbird by Henry Kendall, man. That is, it's just, anybody who's been through the Blue Mountains, New South Wales, that is their shit right there. I love it. So that was, um, that last, that's a great poem, man. You did really well, man. That's good. That was really good. That, um, and that line, that road, a big heap of that got washed away. Remember when they had fucking Blue Mountains? It was half on fire for a couple of years there, and then it fucking had the big rains, and it washed away a lot of that bell line road. Like um, two years yeah. ago, two years ago when you and I went to the summer now, so I drove through there because my mum lives very close to the Blue Mountains. I drove through there and it was just on fire, man. I don't know people who probably follow the thong slapers. I stopped and gave a carton of beer to the uh, rural bushfire brigade. I went here. Can you? I said to the guy, "Can you take this in uniform?" He goes, "Fuck, who's going to say anything?" <laughs> yeah. It's a bit. It was December, January. It was across. It was across summer, Christmas, New Year, and. I don't know if it was before summer nights or after summer night. I went up. I oh, went sorry. up to. No, you're right. I yeah. went up to a wedding that was up there, and the backdrop for the wedding out to the north was um, Hawkesbury River Country fucking on fire. That was the backdrop for my mate's fucking wedding photos. <laughs> it's it's an incredible uh, part of geography, and it's a place that I enjoy and. Tomorrow, if I win the Powerball, I'm buying a house at Bilpin to straight away, and I'm and I'm going to move back to the mountains. I live in uh, towns where we don't even fucking have a mountain. Can you know? I pay four thousand rates a year. Can we please buy a mountain? Oh no, we we're going to we're going to buy. You got, you got you got Castle Hill. I know, and people get <laughs> they walk up there and go, "Have you ever been to the scenic hill Lithgow?" Like seriously, it's it's third gear in a car that's under fucking uh, 1400 cc's. It's <laughs> Towards the end of World War Two, when the Yanks were leaving uh, Australia, they had a lot of construction gear kicking around and they actually offered the Australian government to tear down um, Castle Hill to give them more real estate. But they were going to, with the waste material, they were going to build a... Um, um, build a fucking uh, road from Townsville to fucking Magnetic Island. I do remember that story. And we've, we've got do a very... remember good... that story? Yes. Well, there's a car yeah. park that they built already. So they they done about, uh, I don't know, there's a car park in Townsville behind. that They started to do it already. And we've got a very good friend at the Thong Slappers, Tony Collard. He's the skipper from Maggie Island. So I often remind him that. I'm like, imagine if we built the road and he goes, fuck you, keep you mainlanders out of this fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> so big day to Tony anyway. But... um. He puts up the most awful photos on fucking Instagram. Have you seen some of the shit he gets up to? Sitting out on the fucking ocean, eating fresh seafood, and doesn't ever get seasick or um, sick of seafood. Like, it's disgusting. The, the problem is I haven't had Instagram for a couple well, – it's not a problem, but I haven't had it for a couple of years. I just kind <laughs> – yeah, I need to – I don't have any social media because I'm fucking unsociable or whatever, and I fucking keep sending people photos my ball bags and they – deleted or whatever i'm like if you don't like red furry ball bags don't join me it's like a fucking simple isn't it it's like i'm the fucking monster (laughs) (laughs) hey um there's an article there's an article that you wrote about sunset of course you're the riverina heathen these days you're no longer the uh, red dirt pirate you've had a geographical uprooting um, back to the homeland, back to Graceland, whichever way you want to put that. But, yeah, back down on the river country. You sent me something a while ago that I thought, 
I, I stole it. I have no fucking problem in saying it. I stole it and I posted it on my blog. Would you read it for us, please, mate? Like, it's... Just the, the one on the sunset, you mean? Yeah, it's fucking yeah, perfect. Yeah. And I, I don't give hollow compliments on writing. I'm, I can't do it. But, yeah, this I fucking love. This piece is Australia Day special. This... Fuck. Go. All right. Well, I'll um, I'll start this little interlude. I'll send um, Mr. Redmess the photo so it actually has some context. Yeah. What, what's it go with your um, your blog? It's it's blocked me. <laughs> I've sent you four hundred yeah. photos of my cock, and suddenly I'm blocked. <laughs> yeah. I know this is really awkward, and I was hoping to do it after the podcast, <laughs> but we're breaking up, man. Eh? Three hundred ninety-nine photos. You couldn't block me. It took four hundred. <laughs> I think it's time we see other people with ADHD. <laughs> oh, that, that'd be a great bumper sticker. That should be the new TDS bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> um, righto. So um, for those of you listening home, it's, um, it's up on the river country and it's just, it's the sunset um, and it's throwing one of those amazing ones where, you know, it's going to be a cracker the next day and the sunsets, all those different amazing colours of, you know, reds, orange, yellows, and through to the purple, and then the blue of the sky on the east as it chases it across. And it's, you know, through the gap of the gum trees and the box trees. And I'll, I'll read you this piece, but what I'll do is I'll send Redmond the photo, and then that way maybe you'll be able to put it up with we'll a bit of context to it. But this is just my little take on my little slice in the world. This picture, it has a, it has a soundtrack, and the soundtrack has a thousand words. The pink and purple clouds sit above the horizon, the fires of red and orange and yellow following the setting sun in the western landscape. The warm of the day lingers in the still air and is filled with the native orchestra. The beautiful cadoodling of the magpies, the familiar screech of pink galahs as they fly low overhead. Kookaburras laughing to themselves over the day's events. Parrots and miners loudly burble to others where they have found to roost. The ibis flap their wings to settle in for the evening. Possums hold fast in their nooks and hollows, older in time than James and his seafaring friends. In this moment of beauty, it's easy to imagine the romanticism of Patterson and Lawson, quill to parchment to capture this magic. Williamson and Garrett, Howard, Davies and Kelly wrote incredible lyrics to imagine in the minds of the listeners the captivating awe of this country. And now imagine the Wiradjuri or the Yorta Yorta looking at these sunsets for the last 100,000 years, each soul bewildered by the beauty of the late summer sun and the soundtrack of the bush. How many single humans have stood in silence and absorbed the breathtaking scenery this planet has to offer, standing for so long that the sky eventually becomes a haze of celestial lights in the brilliance of the night canvas. The fucking end. Yeah, so that was just me fucking around one afternoon, probably... Three too many beers sitting on the back porch, just looking over the sunset. Yeah, there you go. I hope that Kev Carmony or Darcy Doyle could hear that, man. It's fucking... That is exactly the feeling. I've lived in uh, Central West New South Wales. You know that. But um, that is the exact uh, diorama of it. It's And it's just... To be able to capture that, you need, you know... These guys that stood there with the paintbrush, they must be like, fuck you, yeah, I'm the shit. <laughs> they must have been able to... When I paint, man, all I paint is dicks and boobs. That's about it. That's all I can fucking paint. <laughs> but imagine I'm, I'm got... impressed you can paint that much. I can't even paint that, my man. Oh, man, everybody can paint boobs. That's just... If I'm trying to paint by numbers, man, I end up eating crayons. So, <laughs> Let's so just... those people like... Those people like... Um, like you were saying before, like Albert Namajira um, and all those amazing... Sort of, it's even like pro heart and those sort of guys to capture the colours, and it's a cracking line in the you know, it's a cracking line in that song. It's an island that's been hidden in the summer for a million years. And speaking of pro heart, how cool is this? So I worked for one of the big, um, we just call them Japanese uh, mining manufacturers out here. And I got a job card one morning. It was like two thousand and eight. I said, oh, I got to go and do a track on a digger at you know. Uh, Markwell Street, I think it was. So, yeah, I jump in the little service van, get around there. And when I pull up, this digger is like a, it's like a PC two hundred. It's it's not a very big digger. It's a pretty small digger. I'm like, who the fuck painted all over this? And I walk in, and it's got all this artwork all over it. And I'm like, bro, what's the fucking story with this thing? And he goes, yeah, Pro Heart painted on this thing for us for a charity. 
And I'm like, really? And I'm like, yeah, man, honestly. So how cool was that? So it had... Um, where, where was this, man? Where was Townsville. This? Yeah, fuck right. So I fixed up the... Just had a little problem with uh, the grease tensioner on the on the track. So I, I fixed that. And the guy's I going, yeah, we, we, he's going, we don't use it. Uh, we, we It was auctioned off. So Prohard built it. One of the... Uh, Markwell, well, fuck him. All compliments to him. Markwell uh, Earth Moving, they bought it. And it's got... Somewhere on my blog, I'll see if I can find it. It's got all this cool fucking painting, and I'm like, "Wow, that is the coolest bit of earth moving equipment I've ever." And I got, and it was just like, "Yeah, I got to rock up and, oh yeah, this is a pro heart." And so imagine ever turning up somewhere and working on a piece of art that one of these brilliant guys built. Let alone, I'm like, "Okay, so they, oh, can you make sure that you pump the track up with grease?" I'm like, "Bro, fuck." It's like saying, "Oh, can you make sure you fix the frame on this Banksy for us?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." Oh, should, if, should someone, be if, if someone, if someone that important's made that into a fucking work of art, man, I would 100 percent fucking act lame and call that into someone else. I wouldn't handle the responsibility of doing that. I just, I just needed the money, man. I went and had a count. But, but yeah, <laughs> not, no, not to a, sound like, not to sound like a whore, but yes. <laughs> no, but it was, it was so good. I've got um, one more poem that I'd like to do, but it's a bit of an indulgence. Yeah, that's that's. Hey, who's going to tell you no? Oh, well, every, every, every well, single forty-year-old girl in Townsville. <laughs> too, <laughs> too soon. I can give you a few numbers on that if you need. <laughs> oh, I need all the help. I actually, we had a um. Oh, just a little side note. Obviously, it's uh, the twenty-sixth of January. Meatloaf died four days ago. Yeah. So yeah, the big fella did. It was my birthday the day he died, so it was a pretty sad day for everybody, and it was yeah, it was pretty upsetting. But I was sitting here by myself, just in my little house. I just had, I, I, I was I was I was actually reducing some red sauce for dinner, so I'm just cooking a bit of dinner. It was like seven thirty at night, no no drama or whatever, and it was just, you know, I'm just thinking, oh yeah, on the news, meatloaf, yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, whatever, yeah, farewell, big man. And then there's a bit of a kerfuffle out the front, like cars pulling up and. People, okay. <laughs> the hippies rocked up. My my very best friends in the world, the hippies. There's like eight of them. So they rock up and they walk in with a carton of beer and a birthday cake. It was my birthday, and they've gone, man, you can't be laying on your birthday. Let's have a party. And I'm like, mm, okay, that sounds. All of a sudden, <laughs> and they bought a CD. They bought the meatloaf CD because I still have a CD player, bro, and they've still got one, and we still kind of use them. So. Opened the CD player, we put on the Meatloaf CD, and we had the best party. So, I've lived in this house for fifteen years, maybe sixteen. I bought it. I think I bought it fifteen years ago. We had one of the best parties that this house has ever fucking seen, and it's had a few fucking decent parties, man. We and so I think I texted you the next morning. We're like, bro, we gave Meatloaf a send off that he would love. <laughs> And look, I'll be really honest with you. Like on the day of your birthday, I went out to the workshop and had a few things to do. I'm doing up a car to flog and fixing up a trailer. And I just went, right, let's just chuck on the best of meatloaf, you know, send the big fella off. And I'm sure everyone else did. I'm sure everyone else did. Anyway, that night, having dinner with the kids and I put a bit of meatloaf on, and the kids are like, oh, yeah, this is meatloaf. And I'm like, oh, well, you, the kid's mother. Um, so on her side, their grandma and grandpa, they loved meatloaf. Like they'd put meatloaf on in the kitchen when the kids were younger and they'd get caught in the pantry necking each other, you know, absolutely <laughs> love meatloaf. So I'm trying to tell the PG version of this to the kids and give them a bit of context of what meatloaf and good music and stuff. Now, and then I got to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like obviously um, meatloaf was in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yep. And my challenge to you is this is if you've got kids under the age of 13 and they've never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show, try and explain that movie to someone under the age of 13 that hasn't seen it without sounding like a raving crack addict. <laughs> Frankfurter. <laughs> Even his oh, name. <laughs> you sound like a fucking absolute <laughs> lunatic trying to explain that movie to fucking kids. But look, you know, and, uh, and he'll get a run this weekend. I am going to... I was recently given a Viking proper drinking horn that I had to coat and wax and everything, and I'm going to drink some mead this weekend, and I'm going to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show. 
That is a. I, I, think, st- I think I think everyone should do that. Actually, I stand by your decision fully. The the youngest hippie's nine years old, so she was like, "Yeah, yeah." I'm like, I'm, I'm like, you won't understand this. It's not until you get your pee plates in your first car, baby, and then you'll understand it. And all her brothers and sisters are, are nodding their heads, going, "He's right." <laughs> Yeah, Actually, yeah. speaking, just speaking of something, so fuck it, let's just do everything that we want on this podcast. Speaking of something else, you sent me a photo of you and George Clooney the other day. <laughs> uh, the coffee magnate of Malta, Mr. <laughs> uh, Mr. Polidano himself. Honestly, bro, I'm hetero, but that guy is so fucking good looking. What's up with that? Look, I think if you're comfortable enough in your sexuality and you're like, yep, I like chicks or whatever, you can still look at a guy and go, he's a good-looking dude, I understand why women like him. And he would be, if you could imagine George Clooney, except he's from Malta and he's six foot four and runs a garage in a chuka and enjoys coffee, that's our friend Clive. And he happens to have a, you know, blown small block in a blue HJ. It's a very nice car, so... um. You and Maddie Waters and all the guys were at the Summonats and I couldn't come because I was at the fucking dick farming tending to a crop of massive six-foot fucking cocks. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Q, soundtrack, cue violins. <laughs> it was so funny. So um, Maddie Waters sending me photos of all these cars and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that is beautiful. That's hot. Um, Kurt, our mate, he's got the blown Corolla and, and all. Uh, uh, what's the McFry? Oh, Kurt. Um, um, what's McFroy? He's got the black HZ. Yeah, I went for running that at Summon. That's a year before. Yeah. Oh, uh, so he yeah, said. Didn't, didn't you also go in an escort with like a blown two? Oh, bro! I went to go in two tough two five three. Seriously, I went to go and call and fire, rip the door handle off, man. I thought I was gonna die. It was like, and then his missus gives me a beer, bro. Best day of my life. <laughs> I guarantee when this goes to air, my inbox will fill up. <laughs> You're a fuckhead. Why'd you bring that up for? Poor old Shannon. Poor old Shannon bent some valves this year. Big shout out to Shannon. Sorry, man. I know you had some tough luck at Summer Nights this year, but um, yeah, he's got those new um, he's got those new 180 degree um, valves that go on those um, Holden heads. I also bet when you put my inbox filled up, Simon Major will do a filthy innuendo of sexual horror. I think Simon Major has only ever shaved his head since being friends with you, so therefore he physically can't grip his own hair to pull it out. But that's yeah, just well, a theory. I can't actually prove that. No, I, I, I think that's true. But, um, yeah, so I get all these photos from Summonats, Maddie sending me these cars, all these guys, and then you send me one with Clive. And I'm like, but, yeah, no, it was, um, he's, a, he's a really nice guy, and he was – him and all them guys, uh, mate, were really nice to meet the Summonats, and, and I've got to get back there, and it was a really good time. And I think – we need to do that again, bro. Yeah, look, I'll be really honest. I was there with all the boys um, from Newcastle and um, and Clive and the Riverina Thrashers. And, yeah, look, not to blow too much wind up your ass, but you weren't missed a bit, even if it was just for comedic value. But, look, those boys, they're just really good dudes to hang out with. They're all into the scene. They're all into, you know, their kids and their wives and their girlfriends being in the scene. And they're all the best parts of that car festival that you can totally imagine. And just, just to hang around with them and, you know, cruise down to um, Braddon on Friday and Saturday night with them and hang out, like, just really cool guys, man, yeah. But, no, we had a ball. We had an absolute ball. And, um, actually, Kurt, if Kurt does listen to this, Kurt's got a methanol um, blown mm. small block in a, in a yellow Corolla. And um, there was a couple of gentlemen at the Summonats that were driving – um, some rotaries and the particular ignition system they had on these rotaries uh, had a very sharp cutout feature at the top end of the rev range and they felt the need to drive around Epic or the Summonats uh, cruise route letting everyone know where the cutout was and it's quite sharp and painful when all that unburnt feels um, igniting in the exhaust on a rotary. So anyway, Kurt got up next to him and he proceeded to use his ice ignition, big shout out to Michael, ice ignition two-step on the methanol small block. And the next time he went past them, they put their hands up in the air, time out, time out, sorry, no, 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 no more, no more, no more, no more. <laughs> they tapped out. And I'm just like, Kurt would have to 
His head size would have to be Equator. He's got the biggest <laughs> fucking head on a human being ever. But I'll tell you what, I really love Kurt for just doing that for those rotary wages. I really like it. <laughs> He's built like a brick shithouse. Doesn't, doesn't hurt no, as no, well. No, no, no. If, if, if you look up brick shithouse in the Collins Dictionary, it will get, you give you the definition of brick shithouse, which he fucking is. No, he was, he was good to me uh, when we went down as well. All them guys, like, I've, I've said this before, and this is a, a pertinent comment for Street Machine Magazine, who I love, and Matty Waters is going to have to be one of the most important young guys in the scene. Bro, he was sending me these photos, this commentary, and he's a lovely kid. you got to admit, he's our little brother. We love him like fucking ice cream cake. Bro, he knows everybody at Summonet. So we're walking around Summonet's back in when I went. He introduced me. Oh, I read this as Chick, like just... Not even his second name. Not even Chick Henry. He's like, oh, I read this as Chick. And Chick's like, oh, here you go. Maddie, his dad here. Yeah. Maddie has been going there since he was a little kid, man. Seriously. Since he was. And he just knows everybody. knows the whole scene. And going there with him is a fucking joy, man. He should have Maddie Waters summon that to us, eh? Seriously. And 400 bucks a ticket, man. I'll have six. Thank you. Can I have 10? <laughs> but he remembers, he remembers cars. He remembers names. He remembers people. He remembers events. He remembers... Who won what burnout comp? Who was he in the top does. ten? Um, he knows, like, if a car goes past and it's been sold and it's had a paint job, he knows who the current owner is, who the former owner is. And you know what? And that extends, if you happen to be lucky enough to go to Wagga Wagga, which is a beautiful place in New South Wales, anyone would think he's the fucking deputy mayor. <laughs> you get around Wagga Wagga and you can't have a night out with Matty Waters because he's just too busy just kissing babies and shaking hands. Like, it's just... <laughs> I fucking love the kid. I fucking absolutely love the kid. He's just an absolute um, mullet-wearing, bad moustache-sporting, one, 75-kilo <laughs> fucking street machine encyclopedia. He is. And to, uh, if any hate gets on the millennials, then let's give him a Nisha and let's give him Matty Waters and go and, and um, Nards. G'day, Nards. Let's give him back them and go, Agreed. you know what? Fuck Agreed. you. These, these are our people. These are... These are yeah. <laughs> Matty makes me laugh, we, man. We, 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 we submit our champions to the pledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here we go. No, he's a, he's a good kid, but he's an encyclopedia of, uh, of the streetcar. So, um... Back to back to I might do this last poem and um, it's a it's a poem that I wrote about so it's it's pertinent at the moment because it's summer it's a poem I wrote about uh, summer in Australia when you're a kid so I know that you're a kid once Benny it wasn't that long ago <laughs> based on rumours and innuendo but yes <laughs> I was very lucky with this poem I don't want to bang on about it too much but i won a national poetry contest with it somehow i don't then nobody else must have fucking submitted their fucking entries but yeah that's um, exactly how that works that's exactly how that works <laughs> i really yeah, want to good job yeah. i really want to put this poem into to finish this this podcast and honestly every day when i wake up man i wake up excited i don't wake up and i'm scrubbing my eyes and i'm like oh fuck it's i wake up and i'm fucking excited and it's a curse and it's a blessing as well every day i wake up it's fucking christmas day i wake up and i'm i fucking jump out of bed i I'm, I'm fucking excited. So this this poem captures a little bit of that for me. Still today, I'm 49. Every day I wake up, I'm like, fuck, let's do it. And yeah. Anyway, it's called Holidays. So <laughs> oh no, there we go. That's a bit of an intro, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You do your thing. You do your thing. Holidays, 2847. That's a postcode. Awake and excited. Blinded by excitement. Paddock and Creek, a rich vein of adventure. Bikes, airborne dares. Sunburn, torn shorts, stitches and blisters, dogs now legends, laughing babes and swimming fools. Playing was play and the joke was ours. In concrete streets, bonds of steel. Holidays, man. Dawn can stand unaided. Sunlight, then day begins. Idle boots by the door. Hour and minutes not tended for sale. Tea can go cold. Make another. Watching the weather not for measure. Two eggs, an hour with the newspaper. Watching the clouds, not watching the hours. The mower, the work boots, the paint and the sander can all sit idle in today's lazy grander. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And you won an award for it. How good. That's uh, fucking awesome. Not, yeah, I think I should get, uh, actually, just a, uh, the little award that they sent me out, whatever, was a little medallion and a little thing, and I gave it to my mum, and she was, <laughs> oh, here you go, oh, I don't know. Uh, 
I'm so getting, remember all them times I got fucking kicked out of English class? Remember all them fucking times I got sent home? Remember all them times them cops knocked on the door? Well, fuck them. And she's like, no, yeah. but your mum's your mama. She's like, oh, that's so wonderful, yeah. darling. That's the best thing. Yeah. G'day, my name's Redmond. I didn't finish high school. I'm a bad truck mechanic from Western <laughs> Sydney and I won a poetry award. Love you, mum. That's it. So that's actually one of the things that I'm going to do this year. I'm going to finish high school. I've got hold of TAFE Queensland, whatever, and I'm going to like... Oh, and, did you? Are you really? Seriously. And, and yeah, so I got, I got hold of them and, and, and um, I spoke to my that sister. Just made me, that just made me really happy. You know why that made me really happy? Because I'm not going to be grading your fucking homework. <laughs> My, my sister's- you are, you are going to be the most difficult human being to grade because you will not stick to a word limit. Well, my, my sister's a school teacher and she goes, oh, you can do it online. I said, no fucking way. I want to do it in the class. And she's like, there's going to there's gonna be some millennial school teachers in therapy. And I'm like, yeah, well, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's... um. I just wanted to celebrate Australia Day. I'm so uh, Simon and I are both so thankful, Benny, for you... Uh, jumping on, obviously you're a, you're a former soldier. You're the sergeant and uh, sergeant bars and arms at the Thong Slappers. You're a great friend. You're a mental health advocate. You've helped me with a few little wobbles I've had now and then. Give you a ring. You always you always answer the phone. You're a great dad. You're a great human. So, um, what's Australia Day to you, bro? Um, I didn't think I was going to get a fucking resume like that. What's Australia Day to me? Oh, hell fucking in depth do you want to go a straight day to me is um well i was i was i joined the army as a young fellow that grew up in the country who really didn't know what he wanted to do with his life and just went to university because everyone else did lasted 12 months because all instead of studying engineering all i was doing was studying bachelor of art and nursing chicks but um <laughs> and, then, and then ran away and you know ran away and joined the army and and um, the great thing about when you if, when you have the privilege or the honour to serve, um, military steeped in history. And the thing about history is you cannot possibly understand who you are as an individual on this planet without understanding your past and where you come from. You know, you stand there. And Adam, you're a big, tall guy and you've got red hair and there's a heritage that goes back hundreds and thousands of years for you to have that DNA makeup. And the same with me. I'm, I'm very proud that my history dates back and I can trace my history with my grandmother back to like the 13 friggin' hundreds. And I can tell you that back when the English family, the royal family was basically sacked and executed and the Cromwells were put in power, the, the captain that was charged with regicide, which is the extermination of a royal family, regicide, that was Captain Charles Hewlett. Is that something to be proud of? I don't know, but it's still part of my heritage. Do you know what I mean? Like I've got, I've got parts on my mum's side and half of my mum's side come out as convicts on ships and half of my mum's side come out as the screws on the fucking ship. <laughs> and then dad's side of the family, they come out... Like, they're second-generation blue bloods staring me in the eyes when I go and see them, and they come out, you know, 100 years ago. But you've got to remember, too, like, we, when we went to war, when, when after Federation, when Australians went to war, we were this bastard mixed up, like, yes, very heavily English convict, but we had the Chinese come out when the gold was on, um, the Europeans come out. And, and and that created this really bastardised mix of people that the rest of the world sort of hadn't really seen before because we got put in this big melting pot of cultures. And I think, you know, combine that with people that have stood on the ground that we stand on for 100,000 years. Here's a fun fact. Do you know the oldest man-made structure in the world is the fish traps in yep. I fucking the swear I did. It's, it's on YouTube. I promise you. I swear I did know that. 40,000 years ago. So yep. when you sit on the bank of a river or if on a side of a hill or by a beach you grew up on and your parents grew up on that and you really feel a connection to that place, yeah, imagine that you are part of a people that has been staring at that beach or that river or that hill or that sunset for at least forty to fifty thousand years, probably more like a hundred thousand years. Yeah, it's an old Imagine, country. 
imagine the feelings that course through your body and your veins knowing that the soil that makes up the country you stand on make up part of your DNA. And I think what's amazing about Australia is how unique we are. And I think what's amazing about Australia is we've got this really shocking habit of we're going to get dealt a shit sandwich and we're going to get dealt a situation where we haven't got all the tools or the skills or whatever to do it. And you know what we're really good at? Getting the fuck on with the job anyway, regardless. And I think a lot of that, and for me as a soldier, like you read all those stories, and I, I was lucky enough on, on my promotion courses, I had to study these Victoria Cross recipients. And the, the guys that stood up to be counted in those times of absolute darkness, it wasn't that they weren't afraid. Because courage is just the ability to get up and get on with it despite being absolutely fucking shit scared. There's no such thing as not being afraid. That's fucking horseshit. Those guys that went on way and they won those Medal of Gallantries, Flying Crosses, Navy Crosses, Nursing Crosses, Medals of Gallantry, Victoria Crosses, they were still fucking shit scared, but they fucking stood up and got on with the job. And but- so much of that, so much of that is steeped into Gallipoli. And that's why we have anzac day when we have it because that was the first day the whole world went jesus these australians are fucking pretty serious dudes and girls you know and and you imagine all that wrapped up in lucky enough to be grown up in in the country but still like you can go to any city in australia and that city has a personality that there's no other city in the world that beach has a vibe about it and a feel that there's no other beach in the world I can go and sit on the banks of the Murray River or the Macquarie River or the Hawkesbury River or the fucking Leichhardt River, and that is unique to itself. And to be Australian and Australia Day is all of that. And in contemporary times, in the last 150 years, it's those poets and the guys you talked about, man. And in very contemporary times of the last 50 to 70 years, it's the singers and songwriters that have written those amazing lyrics that on australia day we play like i've got an acoustic playlist i call acoustic australia and it's all those amazing pub bands that we grew up on it's all their acoustic stripped back raw performances of those songs that are very uniquely australian and that part of that sense of pride that they are talking about something that is unique to us that only we know about because we grew up here you can encompass what i feel about australia day Bro, I reckon you're dead right. That's us. Like, the best soldier ever to wear an Australian patch is Monash. Oh, you're Titan. Man, seriously, Monash. Uh, people talk, tell the story about Ned Kelly. They tell the story about, you know, fucking that. But Eureka Stockade. Monash was the best. And so what... So. How about we do this? We we might not do this. Now, how about we do an, uh, a Thong Slappers, Simon, yourself and I, do a Thong Slappers Australia Day Anzac podcast. And we'll, I'll tell you the story of Monash, who was the greatest soldier. And he wasn't a guy with a gun. He got he got knighted by fucking King George in the field, man. The only soldier ever. <laughs> you, know, you know the story, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. So during the, the, the war, King George left England. He went all the way over to uh, Pozieres and he said to, to, to Monash, I'm knighting you. And Monash is like, thanks. <laughs> it's, it's like... Hashtag, um, got, hashtag got a bit on. Yeah, that's right. It's like um, Adam Rogash turning up to Shannon with the 253 and going, here you go, bro, you're the best ever. <laughs> Which he should. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Help me pull the heads off so I can replace my valves. Yeah, but, but I know exactly what you're saying. Like, um, uh, Benny, how about I'll, we... I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this one for you. Yep. I'll finish with this one for you. I'm going to give you a real quick quote from Ned Kelly. So everyone knows some story or some part of story about Ned Kelly, right? Yep. Now, Ned Kelly, when the, him and the boys had the shootout at Stringy Bark Creek, they had to piss off out of it because it was getting pretty hot. Now, they went up to Gerildery. Yep. And they went and held up in a bank. The Gerildery letter. I always loved Ned Kelly. Yeah, the Gerildery letter. And I will always love Ned Kelly for this, right? When they were held up, when him and Joe Byrne and fucking Dan and the boys were held up in the fucking bank at Gerildery, they got the manager to open the safe. They took the mortgages out and they burnt them all. 
So all these landovers around Gerildery in fucking 1879, I think, February 1879, they burnt them and no longer did those farmers have a mortgage. That's Robin Hood How shit. Good. Oh, this is Robin Hood shit. And when he was in there, this is one paragraph. I'll give you one short paragraph that Ned wrote. And everyone goes, oh, he's nothing but a fucking horse thief. Horse thieves don't write letters like this. And it goes, I've been wronged and my mother and four or five men lagged it isn't. And in my brothers and sisters and my mothers is not to be pitied. Also, there's no alternative to put up with the brutal and cowardly conduct of a parcel of big, ugly, fat-necked, wombat-headed, big-bellied, magpie-legged, narrow-hipped, splore-footed sons of Irish bailiffs and English lords, which is better known as officers of the justice or Victoria police. <laughs> you telling me a horse throat rate that? <laughs> Do you want to know something? This might spin you out. Do you want to know something else about the jewellery letter? Always. Monash was there, bro. He was a kid. I shit you not. He was in that bank. <laughs> what? Bro, I shit you <laughs> not. He, yep, he was. How fucking wicked is that? He was there. Is that very good? Bro, I swear. You read his um, autobiography, uh, General Monash. He was in there, bro. He was a kid in that bank. (laughs) Did John Monash meet Ned Kelly? Monash claimed to have met the the Bush Ranger Ned Kelly during his raid in 1879. Thank you, Redmond. I, I take back everything I wrote on that fucking toilet door and chook and BP about you. That's fucking amazing. But, bro, I am uncircumcised in seven inches, so, you know, let's, you can leave some of it. <laughs> Around. Yeah, very good. Man, I've got to shoot through. I've got some shit. I've got to go and uh, check out the hippies or whatever. But um, thank you so much for doing this uh, podcast with me. And, Simon, thank you as well. We uh, uh, I rang you up and get, oh, Benny, I need a favour. And he goes, man, I'm not digging another fucking hole. I'm going, there's no one dead. And you're like, oh. Okay, yeah, no worries. What do you need? <laughs> if you ring somebody up in the middle... What do I do with this half a bag of lime I've got in the garage? <laughs> if you ring someone up in the middle of the night and say, I need a hole dug, they're like, Benny Hill's like, mm, okay. <laughs> how, how deep? <laughs> Most people are like, don't call this number, Benny Hill's like, oh, for fuck's sake. That, what's, that is what makes you the sergeant of bars and arms. But um, how about we try and commit to doing the uh, Anzac Day podcast? And keep it under 16 hours. Yep, let's do that. <laughs> no, well, there's lots of stories that um, the ADF is obviously something. Oh. That, we have to tell the ADF Fairlane story. <laughs> there's a couple of stories that might come out. But, yes, I would. that would be that would be cool just to hang out and do that. Right. Well, um, we might uh, knock this on the head. <laughs> Simon would say knock it off. <laughs> he's so sexual. <laughs> he's, he, he, his sexual innuendo game is like... Level 10. He's like Luke Skywalker. And Luke Skywalker kissed his fucking sister, bro. What the fuck is wrong with George Lucas? I thought we are going to wrap this up, not go for another hour. <laughs> are you talking to me or Luke Skywalker? <laughs> I could spend forever talking about this, but I won't because it'll bring out my inner nerd and then my inbox will fill up again. <laughs> yeah, fill your inbox up. <laughs> yeah. Righto, Benny. Thank you very much. Um, Give my love to your family. Thanks for the the poetry, man. I appreciate it. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'll edit it all down and see what it comes up with. But, yeah, thank you very much. I've I've got to to have this to sign that by dawn. Yeah, it's um, 17.57 hours here. I don't know this 17, 18, 19. I don't know this shit. Fucking what is it in sixes and sevens and shit, bro? I'm dyslexic as fuck. So if it's daylight savings, it must be nearly five o'clock. Thank you. I don't know this 16. Why the fuck do the army have these 16s and 18s and 19s? And I don't fucking get it. You mean the Army, Navy, Air Force, uh, all pilots, all hospitals, all police force, all SES? Yeah, but no, no, not too many fucking truck mechanics. Because <laughs> saying AM and PM, is that's what millennials do. Oh, we don't say BC anymore. We say BCE. Hey, do you, know what, do you know what Biffy is? B-I-F-F-Y? Uh, best friends forever? No. Nope. No. That's how people say happy birthday these days. Biffy. i got like five or six and I'm like, huh? I'm like, no, to me, Biff is the guy of fucking Back to the Future. Oh, fuck, whatever. Biff. <laughs> Biff Malou. That's about as funny as a screen door at a battleship. <laughs> I'm going to go, Benny. I love you. Give my love to your children. Love you, man. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Love you too.